0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. When uh, my precious and precocious daughter was four years old, she declared, Daddy, I'm ready to read the real Bible. She was uh, ready to retire the uh, children's Bible. And she was ready to move on to an adult Bible. I decided that we would read First and Second Samuel. There are a lot of good stories. There's a lot of narrative. That would be a good place to start. And as we started to venture in to 1 Samuel, I realized that I was going to need to censor a lot more of the material than I expected. There was a beheading. Amnon rapes his half-sister. David murders Uriah and then takes advantage of his wife. Saul literally falls on his sword. Lots of scandalous material. Well, in a way, it's one of the most uh, endearing and refreshing aspects of the Bible is that the Bible is so honest about the difficulty and the darkness and the pain of life. It's so honest about the presence of evil in the world. The story of Hosea is one of those scandalous stories that you would not read to your four-year-old daughter. The Lord calls Hosea, a prophet of the northern kingdom of Israel, to go and marry a woman of whoredom. This may refer to her line of work, or it may refer to her just having a promiscuous lifestyle. Uh, But This is the scandalous command of the Lord. Hosea obeys. He marries Gomer. He has children with her, but she never leaves her promiscuous lifestyle. Gomer's behavior is scandalous. God calls Gomer into marriage because, as it says in verse 2, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. The book of Hosea is operating at two levels. At one level, it is the story of Hosea and Gomer. And at another level, it is the story of God and his people Israel. The northern kingdom Israel has completely forsaken God. And God characterizes their sin as adultery and betrayal. Israel has cheated on the Lord. And yet, God continues to love his people. And So today, I want to look at the scandalous nature of the gospel. In three parts. First, the scandalous sin of man. Second, the scandalous mercy of God. And third, the scandalous love of the Christian life. What I want you to see today is that the Christian gospel is truly scandalous. Wayward men who are recipients of abundant generosity from the Lord continually betray Almighty God. And Almighty God because of his great mercy, continually pursues and forgives wayward man. So first, the scandalous sin of man. Now, most Christians ask a very reasonable question when they come to fully understand the gospel. And that is, if there's nothing I can do to make God stop loving me, then why not sin? If, if there's nothing I can do to lose my salvation, why not just do whatever I want to? Teenagers love to ask that question. And the reason that we seek to resist sin and to repent by the power of the Holy Spirit is because we live in relationships. Sin hurts people. It hurts us. It damages relationships. It hurts our relationship with the Lord. Note these two key phrases in verses 1 and 3. Hosea, son of Barry, and Gomer, the daughter of Diblam. This indicates that Hosea and Gomer were real people. They had a real marriage. This is not a myth. As a prophet of Israel, Hosea would have had a sterling, righteous reputation. And Gomer, as a woman who knew all the boys, would have had a terrible reputation. You essentially have the local priest marrying the town harlot. And can you imagine the local small town gossip? What in the world is Hosea doing running around with that girl? Does he know about her past? Well, to make it worse, Gomer does not change. She does not turn away from her promiscuous lifestyle. So you have an upstanding man like Hosea. Condescend to marry a girl of ill repute like Gomer. And how does she repay him? She is unfaithful. Imagine the emotional experience of Hosea. He has obeyed the Lord. He has taken a big risk. And now he has had it all thrown back in his face. I can't imagine a deeper sense of betrayal for Hosea. Well, God analogizes Gomer's Gomer's betrayal of Hosea. To Israel's betrayal of the Lord God. God was generous to Israel. He had rescued them from slavery in Egypt. He had sustained them in the wilderness. He had led them into the promised land. He had made them his people and poured down his blessings upon them. And yet, how does Israel repay him? They are never faithful in the covenant relationship with God. In verse 2, when God states, For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord, God says that Israel's sin is tantamount to spiritual adultery. The Almighty Lord God came down and had pity upon them. He blessed them, and yet they have betrayed God in the same way that Gomer betrayed Hosea. Israel cheats on the Lord with pagan gods, and they show no sense of remorse or regret. Now, this is not a fun word to proclaim, but the same dynamics that exist in in Israel's spiritual adultery exist in our relationship with God. Scripture exhibits that God experiences our sin as betrayal, as us cheating on Him. While we were enemies of God, the Lord came down in the person of Jesus. He died for our sins through faith in Christ he has poured down his blessings through the Holy Spirit and yet we day by day every time we sin every time we bow down to idols we betray the Lord and which in a, which constitutes spiritual adultery and it's truly scandalous now I don't say this to tear us down although proper humility is good for us but I say this to magnify just how great the love of God is. That takes us to our second point, the scandalous mercy of God. There's all kinds of shattered glass in this story. Gomer has remained in her promiscuous lifestyle. Some commentators suggest that based on the language in the Hebrew, that the third child, not my people, was probably not Hosea's child at all. Meanwhile, at the Israel God level of the story, The names of Hosea's children tell the story. Now, if you have heard uh, the Johnny Cash song, Uh, A Boy Named Sue, Sue ain't got nothing on these names. Child number one, Jezreel, means scattered, which refers to how Israel will be scattered. They'll be conquered by Assyria. They'll be scattered because they routinely ignore the direction of the Lord. Child number two, no mercy. This does not refer to God not having mercy on Israel, but on Israel demonstrating no interest in the mercy of God. Then there's child number three, not my people, a lovely name. God has not rejected Israel. Israel has shown no interest in operating as the people of God. Can you imagine calling this brood of children in for dinner? Hey, hey, scattered. Hey, no mercy. Hey, not my people. Supper's on the table. Time to come in and clean up. I mean, You can look for good biblical names. These are probably not the ones to choose. So with all this broken glass, all this betrayal, all this rejection, what does God do? In verse 10, he declares, In the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. It shall be said to them, Children of the living God. The northern kingdom will walk away from the Lord. They will be conquered and dispersed. But this text points to the prophecy of the coming of Jesus. Christ will come. Christ will die for our sins. And God the Father will gather Jews and Gentiles alike and adopt them as his own children through faith in Christ. So with all the broken glass and the relationship between Gomer and Hosea, what does God tell Hosea to do later in this book? Well, in chapter 3, he says to Hosea, after, after Gomer has cheated on him, he says, Go again. Love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods. God says to Hosea, after Gomer's adultery, pursue her, forgive her, love her. Respond to Gomer in the same way that I respond to Israel. Pursuit, forgiveness, love this is scandalous love, and that's the Christian gospel. We betray God repeatedly and routinely, and he lives his life with open arms towards us. He pursues us, he forgives us, he loves us. Now, if you are a friend of God, if you're his buddy, and obviously we are not buddies with God, he is God Almighty, but if you, he were your friend and you were to sit down with him, you would say, hey God, it's time to get out of this relationship. These people are not gonna change. It's time to cut the cord. And God would say, Sorry, that's not who I am. That is not how I operate. It's not who I am. It's not how I operate. Because of the cross of Jesus, his bank of mercy never runs out of funds. God has made a decision to love you, he's made a decision to embrace you, and he will never let you go. Now, this hard talk about sin functioning as adultery, and this talk of the scandalous grace of God, it's important for two reasons. One, as I've said, it magnifies the greatness of God. It magnifies the love of God. But it also has the power to transform us into the kind of people who can, ra- who can love in radical ways. And that takes us to our third point, this scandalous love of the Christian life. Well, I know that many of you have been the Hosea in a relationship, in a marriage and dating relationship, uh, in a business partnership, in a family squabble over uh, a will and an inheritance. You've been on the Hosea side of the deal. Well, as hard as a pill is this swallow, in our relationship with God, we're the Gomer. We play the role of Gomer. And this is critical to accept if you're going to be the kind of person who can love with radical compassion and acceptance. We live in a world that is addicted to outrage and condemnation. People love to cancel public figures. They love to talk about how terrible the school superintendent is or how terrible the president is or how terrible the governor is. Can you believe what they did all the time on social media? There's an industry for digging up dirt on people who have been dead for centuries and canceling them. And all this judgment tends to play out in the hearts of man and on social media. And behind the outrage culture is lots and lots of self-righteousness. And I know I'm as guilty of this as the next person. There is a rush in judging others and condemning them. But man, is it making our society toxic. When we realize that we are the gomer in our relationship with the Lord, it humbles us. Gomer could never get her act together, uh, and neither can I. Do you know the difference between me, your preacher today, and the -the run-of-the-mill ISIS terrorist? It is purely the grace of God. It is by the grace of God that I was born into the family and the country and the community that I was born into. It's by the grace of God that I heard the gospel, that I was prayed for, that I uh, I was taught the Bible, that I had wonderful godparents, that the Holy Spirit pursued me. The only difference between me and a terrorist is the grace of God. And when you embrace that you're the gomer in the relationship with the Lord, you can see the bad things that people do in the world, and you can say, you can call sin, sin. You can say, that was bad. But as it pertains to the person, you can view them and say, I'm not any better than they are. You can view them with a level of acceptance. Recently, I uh, spent time with a distant relative. Two decades ago, after 15 years of marriage, she learned that her husband was having an affair. Uh, she confronted him, and they reconciled, and they stayed together. And then a few years later, she found out he was having another affair. Uh, and that led to their divorce. It's worth noting that the Bible grants authorization for people to get out of a marriage in cases of abandonment, adultery, and abuse. So twenty years had passed. Their children had grown up. Their children had gotten married. They had grandchildren. Uh, and she decided that, and there had been a lot of healing. And she decided that she wanted to invite her ex-husband and his girlfriend to come to the Fourth of July at with her at her mountain house and with their kids and their grandkids. This is something that may not be wise or advisable in many circumstances, but she felt inclined to do this. And he was stunned that he'd received this invitation, uh, but he accepted it. And so they had the 4th of July together, and the weekend ended, and as it was time to say goodbye, she simply said to him, I'm, I'm so glad that you came. And when she said this, he started to weep. He, in fact, went to his knees, and he just explained that as, as bad as his behavior had been and as unworthy as he felt, that he could not believe that a person could extend such grace and kindness to him. That is the radical kind of love that is impossible until you realize that you're the Gomer and that you have the Holy Spirit. And when you realize that you're the Gomer, it makes that kind of compassion and acceptance possible. And this is our story. We routinely betray the Lord and his response every day every hour, is to invite us back into the relationship. And why is that? Because that's who God is, and that's how he operates. Let's pray. Almighty God, we pray that you would glorify yourself in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.